This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. And we do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time. We appreciate those who may be watching today for the very first time. And we, of course, are delighted to have those who watch every time we come on the air. We want you to stay tuned today as we're going to be discussing one of the things that Jesus said while he was hanging upon the cross. It was a prayer that Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them. I hope that you'll stay tuned today. On Getting to Know Your Bible, we are offering a free Bible correspondence course. And I'd like to emphasize that it is free. Anything that you see offered on this telecast is without cost to you. We do not sell the, the course. We do not sell CDs. We do not sell DVDs. Anything that you see offered is free. We want you to have the Bible course today. And in order that you might know more about the Bible course, that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call toll free 1-877-711-5214 I want to read a passage from the 23rd chapter of Luke's gospel and I want you to try to imagine Jesus hanging upon the cross of Calvary and he said Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As we come to Calvary, a hill that's in the shape of a skull, we see three crosses outlined against the sky. And on the center cross, we see the greatest man who ever lived on the face of the earth. This man had been born in a stable some 33 years before. He had been brought up in Nazareth. He was baptized at the age of 30. And for some three and one half years, he had gone about doing good and teaching men. And these men hated him and for his perfect life they condemned him. We hear their cry, crucify him. That cry was heard in the streets. And there was the long march to Calvary, and now it is ended. The executioners have just driven the nails 
in his hands and in his feet. He, his enemies sat down and they watched him bleed his life away. Let's lean just a little closer. And let's listen to Jesus. Jesus says seven important things before he dies. And the first one is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Look in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. The passage begins, Then Jesus said, when did Jesus pray? Well, he prayed this prayer when man had done his worst, when wicked men crucified the Lord of glory. He prayed that prayer when the devils of earth slew the Lamb of heaven. It was then that Jesus prayed. You know, in the Old Testament, when Samson died, he prayed. He prayed that the Lord would give him strength to kill his enemies. Let me ask you a question. Has someone hurt you? In all probability, I'm speaking to someone right now who's been hurt by some other individual. It actually may be someone that is very close to you. Can you pray for them? That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Jesus taught that we ought to pray for our enemies in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. And Jesus practiced what he preached. Then Jesus said, Note the next word in this prayer, and that word is Father. Father, forgive them. You see, in the face of bitter trial, Jesus remembers who he is. He remembers that he is the Son of God. He knew that early in life. You remember in the second chapter of Luke's Gospel in verse 49, he said to his parents, Know you not? I must be about my Father's business. Jesus was the only begotten of the Father. John 1 and 14 says, The Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. And that Word was none other than the divine Son of the living God. For God so loved the world, that, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believe, believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, indeed, Jesus came from the Father. In John, the sixth chapter, in verse 44, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Yes, indeed, Jesus Christ came from the Father. Over in the 17th chapter of John's Gospel is what is really the Lord's Prayer. 
And I want you to notice in verse 5 of this chapter that Jesus said, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And then in verse number 25, Jesus said, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. You see, he was the Son of God. He had every right to refer to him as Father. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 6 and in, and in verse 9, Jesus, in teaching the disciples how to pray, said, Pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, what a blessed privilege it is to be able to call God Father. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 reads, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And if you're not His child today, I would urge you to become His child in order that you might be able to refer to God as your Father. In Romans the 8th chapter, Paul has a lot to say about the relationship between God and His children. Note verse 14 beginning, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Let me ask, can you call God Father? He wants you to be His child. He wants you to be able to call Him Father, but are you His child? Let's continue. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we all, may also be glorified together. Are you His child? Jesus began to pray, and the first word He said was, Father, Father, are you His child today? Have you obeyed Him? Have you been born of water and the Spirit? John chapter 3 verse 5. That you might enter into the kingdom of heaven. The way that we become members of our physical family is by virtue of our birth into that family. That is, that's the natural way, the normal way. And the way that one becomes a member of the family of God is by virtue of the new birth. In John the third chapter in verse 7, Jesus said, You must be born again. But earlier in that chapter, Nicodemus had said, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, but no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And then Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To see the kingdom of God was to enjoy the blessings of it. But you cannot see the kingdom of God, enjoy the blessings of the kingdom of God without being born again. Nicodemus was confused. He thought in, in terms of a fleshly birth, but Jesus had in mind a spiritual birth. And Jesus said, and Nicodemus rather said, How can a man be born when he is old? 
Can, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus answered by saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Have you been added to the kingdom of the Lord? Have you obeyed the gospel, believing in Jesus and repenting of your sins, confessing faith in Him by being baptized into Christ? Can you call God Father? In the third chapter of Galatians and in verse 26, Paul said, For you are all the children of God. How? By faith. Where? In Christ Jesus. Children of God by faith in Christ. Well, how does one get into Christ? If we're children of God by faith in Christ, verse 27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. So I ask again, can you call God Father? Jesus prayed on the cross, Father, Father. And then he said, Forgive. Forgive. That's the next word. What is man's greatest need? I believe it's forgiveness. I truly believe the greatest need that all of us have is forgiveness. Oh, some of you that are watching now may need health. You may need money. You may need friends. You may need education. But you know that's not going to amount to very much if there is a barrier of sin that exists between you and God. What use are shoes if you don't have feet? And what use are glasses if you cannot see? And it matters not how, how good you have made it in business if your sins are not forgiven. You might be successful in the eyes of the world and you might be a miserable failure in the eyes of God. God wants to forgive. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive. Our God indeed is a forgiving God. There was a time that Moses interceded on the behalf of the people in Exodus the 32nd chapter in verses 31 and 32. Moses said, This people have sinned a great sin and made them gods of gold. And then he said, If thou wilt forgive, then he said, If not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. He was enjoining God to, and, and pleading with God and begging God to forgive the people. In Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter in verse 14, the Lord said to Solomon, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal the land. Yes, indeed, our God is such a good God. He is a God who forgives. It was in the book of Isaiah chapter 1 and in verse 18 that the Lord was talking about the backslidden state of His people in that time. They, they had uh, refused to acknowledge Him and they were acting more like a brute beast of the field in their attitude toward God. But God still loved them. And He said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, that though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 
And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In the 32nd Psalm, in verse 1, the psalmist says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. The thing that covers our sins is blood. Not animal blood, Jesus' blood. It takes the blood of the precious Son of God to do away with, to forgive our sins. In Matthew 6 and 12, Jesus taught the disciples to pray like this, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God is a forgiving God. Look in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. In Ephesians 1 and 7, we're told, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. I do have no idea how many people may be watching or listening to this telecast and this program at this hour. But I can tell you one thing that all of us need, regardless of where you live, regardless of who you may be, we need the forgiveness that only God can give. Writing to those who are Christians in 1 John chapter 1 and 9, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even His children, when they sin, can be forgiven. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive. You know, when God forgives, He doesn't just say, well, I'll forgive you, but I'm not ever going to forget about it. Now, that's not the way that the God of the Bible forgives us. Look at Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember no more? You see, when God forgives us, the, the way that God treats us then is as though that sin never happened. Someone says, well, can you obtain His forgiveness? Well, uh, we're going to have to pay for our sins. You know, the Bible says in Ezekiel 18 and 20, the soul that sinneth it shall die. And Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. But there is a substitute that has been provided. And that substitute is Jesus. He died in my place. And He died for my sins. He became my sin substitute. I would have had to pay for my own sins. That is the penalty. But Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, the Bible says, He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. And regardless of who you are, regardless of what you may have done, you can have your sins washed away in the blood of Jesus. Revelation 1.5 says, Unto Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. 
It took that blood. It took His death. It took His sacrifice to atone for my sins and for your sins. But when does that blood wash away our sins? To answer that question, we read a, a statement made in the 22nd chapter of Acts, verse 16. It's actually... Uh, was said by Ananias to the man named, known as Saul of Tarsus, who later became the great apostle Paul. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. I want you to observe that in that passage, the washing away of sin comes after the act of baptism and not before. We believe in Jesus. We repent of our sins. We confess our faith in Christ. We're baptized into Jesus Christ. And it is in His blood when we're baptized into the benefits of that blood, into the benefits of His death, Romans 6, 3, that our sins are washed away. This is an act of faith on your part. Father, forgive. Father, forgive them. Them. See, while on the cross, Christ was praying for others, He said, Father, forgive them. What an unselfish prayer. But have you ever stopped to think about the fact that when He prayed that, He was praying for us as well? Because Jesus died for all people everywhere. Hebrews 2 and 9 says, He tasted of death for all men. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, 4 that he would have all men to be saved, come to a knowledge of the truth. 1 John chapter 2 and 2 says he is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Jesus prayed that prayer. He was praying for the whole world. And then Jesus said, For they know not what they do. Somebody says, Well, can you, can you really believe that, Brother Lambert? They, they didn't really know what they were doing. Well, uh, they were ignorant of the crucifixion. That is, they, they, they were crucifying Him, but they were ignorant of the fact that they were crucifying the Son of the living God. I want you to notice a passage in the third chapter of Acts and in verse number 17. And yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. He said, you don't, they don't know what they're doing, Father, but they could have known. Now here's the reason they could have known. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. For example, in John, the uh, fifth chapter, and in verses uh, 46 and in verse 47, Jesus said, For if you believe Moses, ye would believe me. Now think about that. Jesus said, If you'd believe Moses... You'd believe me. Well, why? For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, that is, Moses' writings, 
How will you believe my words? So had they believed what Moses said in the Old Testament, they would have believed what Jesus said. So when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, they could have known because it was predicted. Look, for example, in Acts the third chapter, verses 22 and 23. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Folks, we, we need to listen to him today. They could have known because it was prophesied in the Old Testament. They could have known because Jesus lived a life of perfection. He did no sin. Neither was there any guile in his mouth, 1 Peter 2 verse 22. That They could have known he was the Son of God because of the mighty miracles that he performed. As a matter of fact, in John the 20th chapter, verses 30 and 31, the Bible says, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. They could have known. Oh, they could have known. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they could have known because Jesus went about doing good. They could have known because God acknowledged him as his son. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. But the scales of sin covered the eyes of the people. He came to his own, his own received him, not John 1 and 11. And unfortunately, that tragedy is repeated in the 21st century. There are those who will refuse to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. They refuse to acknowledge Him as the Son of God. They refuse to acknowledge Him as being our prophet, our priest, and our king. But friend, I would not be telling you the truth if I did not tell you Jesus is your only hope. That prayer was answered. On the day of Pentecost when Peter preached about Jesus to the very people who call for his death and they asked, what shall we do? And he said, you need to repent. You need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And about 3,000 were saved that very day. That's when the prayer of Jesus was answered. The time for us to obey him is not later it is now. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.